2: I want winners. I want people that want to win.
0: All right. I'm here with Roderick Adams. We are here after the opening day of the 49ers season. And you had a post in our Facebook group earlier today about how excited you were that the season has started. And you circled the date of November 19th, 2020. 12. What does that date signify?
2: That was Cap's first start. Yes. As a 49er in Chicago. And while obviously I'm excited about every 49er game. Sure. But that one particularly resonated with me because of the similar things with Trey, uh, a big athletic quarterback with a big arm. Um, which were things that you know no disrespect to Alex Smith um ju- you know I saw us being able to exploit um teams downfield which I mean it hasn't changed we are primarily a run based team right and when you are that and teams commit you know eight and nine players to the box you know it creates opportunities for um an offense to take advantage downfield. So that is what excited me about cap. And it's also what excites me about um, Trey. In addition to the fact that when you have a mobile, mobile this, these are all things that um, have been in the 49ers sphere since we drafted him. But in this offense, if you've got a mobile quarterback who can make the defense um, play you 11 on 11 It's just, it's an advantage. Yes. It's an advantage. So those things were very exciting to me going into this game. All right. So I just want to explain to folks what you and I are going to try and do
0: this season, which is uh, we have this opportunity with the uh, Bay Area sports uh, podcast network that, that I created to do some live streams after, after games. So we're going to live stream to our Facebook page, We'll share that with our Facebook group uh called We Want Winners and then also to YouTube. And then we'll put the podcast up after we're done here and it'll go up pretty much soon thereafter. And it, it is really just our, you know, it's it's our response to what what just happened. Now, I would have liked our first show to be after a win. That <laughs> would have been much nicer than uh than after a loss. But so the, the idea behind this podcast, this video podcast, if you will. So this goes, this goes back to, I want to say 2009 when I created a fan page for, it was really to test something. And and so I, I I sort of jokingly called it. We want winners after the Mike Singletary statement in the locker room after the game that the 49ers had lost, where he said, I want winners. I want people who want to win. And that was kind of like his calling card and the Niners weren't that great that year. So it was something that I just said, hey, you know, we're not great. Let's just have fun with this. And all of a sudden, so many people started to follow this page. You included. I don't remember exactly when you came in. But so this is going back now, you know, 13 years or so that this page was available. I then changed it to a group. Uh, the page thing was a, was a little bit... Uh, it started to become hard to moderate. So I made it a little bit more of a private group. So this this podcast sort of is an ode to those old Mike Singletary teams when the Niners weren't that great. And we were just sort of, you know, living the games and and hoping that they would be good. They had a lot of talent. And ultimately, Harbaugh regime comes in, then Shanahan and, and where we are now. But that's sort of the that's the name behind the podcast, just in case people were wondering what we want winners means. Okay, Rod, I was telling you before we did this, that I kind of wanted to break it down in like themes, like what what, what were the reasons for things to happen uh, as they did, and it's it's easy on a game where it's pretty clear that the Niners were the better football team and still lost the game. It's hard to come up with some positives it's easier to come up with the negatives because you're sort of upset as a fan, but we're going to be balanced. We're going to talk about all, all the things that happened positively and negatively, but I think, and this is my first theme is really where the game swings is all of a sudden um, there, there was a little bit of uh, penalties. There, there were some undisciplined things that happened on the field. And I, w- I was chatting with a bears uh, fan, a buddy of mine, And I was telling him like the only real difference in the first half of this game is that the 49ers had excellent field position and the Bears didn't. The Bears were backed up against their against their end zone. A lot of a lot of the game. I think it was like the 49ers start position was like on their 40. And for the Bears, it was like on their 12 or something. And I told him, I said, look, the Bears have an opportunity to kind of change that in the second half because you know, it's 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 a new half and you start with the kick and, you, and it just becomes a different game. And that's kind of what happened. But what did you see out there when it comes to what the defense was doing in the first half based on what they were doing in the second half? And I think some of this is also going to be about how the, uh, the Bears offensive coordinator sort of changed their game plan up because Fields was, he was utilizing Fields to get extended time, to to do stuff with plays as well. But what did you see as far as the difference in the first and second half?
2: Well, coming into the game, I've got in my notes, the three things that I was focusing on um, was fast rush, run defense, and turnovers. And in the first half, especially, they really, you know, we were, you know, first play of the game, Ken Law you know busts loose and gets a real quick pressure um and then you know that's it's gonna be a theme all year. You can't block um, Nick bosa, so those things were were working, and there there was nowhere for them to run either um they they were really playing well, and I think like you say the the adjustment that they made was to use um field's mobility and for him not to be. You know, five to seven yards deep, where they could find him, and and they really they found some stuff with that. Um, also, we have to acknowledge that um, you know that busted play where um where Ward loses. I'm, I'm not. I forget who the receiver was. Dante Pettis. It was exactly. the Dante Pettis oh, Dante revenge Pettis, game. That's right. It was the revenge um, game when he loses Dante Pettis. I mean, clearly that's a busted play, but I mean that. That was, that was huge. That was huge. Um, so like your, your graphic said, and it, it really came down to, um, I believe it was more so um, mistakes by the 49er defense and it's just undisciplined play more so than anything that really, um, the Bears didn't really have anything going when we did what we handled our business. So yeah, that that's really what's what's frustrating about this loss is, I mean, what was it? Over a hundred yards and uh, over a hundred penalty yards. It's just it's hard to win that way, especially you know it's it's really hard. It's just really hard to win that way.
0: Yeah, the Niners are twelve of ninety nine in penalties and yardage, and uh, so quickly shout out to Robert Ramos who is checking us out who is also in our group. Also, Shelvin Murphy, our guy who is one of the the big guys in our chat in our group. He's always the posting. Yeah, he's always posting news and, and updates. Sometimes he beats me to stuff and I'm like, what the heck? And then I think, oh yeah, well, if I have Shelvin, then I don't have to always be mm-hmm. posting. So thanks to both of those uh, fellows for checking in. Okay. So when I say undisciplined, I don't and I'm not saying they're reckless. I'm not saying they uh We're not playing within the the system. What I mean is on this field, which as we saw, there was horrific conditions and with this refereeing crew, which was, they were there to, to call everything that they saw. I think the 49ers who are so talented on defense needed to understand that a little bit more and stop trying to make that giant play and just hold serve. Because when they were holding serve, they were back in the the Bears up in, in their own territory. Look, David Montgomery, seventeen carries. How many yards do you think he got? Fifty. Twenty-six. Whew. Twenty-six yards That's for a the rough guy. day, right? And so, <laughs> if that is what your defense is able to do, then just continue to play that way, and and those those penalties and they started to tack up really in the second half. All those penalties did was give the bears life because if the Niners would have just played their normal defense, make the play when it was in front of them, you know, they, they had a, we had an interception, a Hufanga had, had an interception. It looked like everything was going right for them. And it was almost like they sort of started to think, Oh, we can make some of these big plays Uh, Because that's where the game is going. We figured out this offense. And then a penalty here, a penalty there. There was the the Gibson dropped interception, which is what helped create that moment with uh, the Dante Pettis revenge game. He he doesn't drop that pick. Maybe he just catches it and and, and stays on the ground instead of trying to catch it and run. You know, all those different things. This is not blaming him. It was a great play. Mm -mm. It was a great play for him to break on that ball. But all of those things sort of add up to giving the bears life when they didn't have any life. They were, right. they, 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 they look like nothing in the first half. And it's so funny. Cause I'm again, talking to my, to my buddy, who's a bears fan, he was just gobsmacked that there was a moment. It was a third and 13 and there were seven minutes left in the, in the second quarter. And they ran a draw, which is the ultimate give up play so surrender. that they don't, so that they don't turn the ball over. And, and I, I just was talking to him and I was like, man, that reminds me of, of a, a Jimmy Ray when Jimmy Ray was running the 49ers offense where they were so safe that the fans felt like it was surrendering, like you said. And then um, we the Niners got another break with the uh, – I've never seen this penalty before and I was wondering if you saw it. The cleaning the field with a towel is is an unsportsmanlike conduct. I've never seen that in my life. That's the crazy. Niners got a break there. And the, you know, who knows if you know the, the kicker missed two extra points. Who knows if he hits that uh, field goal? But it just felt like everything's going the Niners' way. And for whatever reason, the the, the, the disciplined way that, that defense played in that first half was just not the way that they played in the second half.
2: Correct. You know what? Um, you mentioned I Jimmy Ray, that's I hadn't hadn't thought about that name in years. Um, but you know what? Which you can point to as parallels in the situation. Singletary, a defensive coach; Eberflus, a defensive right. coach. So, it you know, I, it's not something I necessarily agree with, but I you know, that seems to be the philosophy of defensive coaches generally. Um, unless you're Brandon Staley, is um <laughs> to, to not let the um, you know, you just don't want the offense to lose the game for you. Yes. Um, so that that there's a parallel there. But yeah, it was that was definitely the case. Um it, it it's frustrating to me because they're even in this trash, and maybe I you know, I, I hesitate to say it because I don't want to sound like a, a homer, but right. you know, but I am. Well, I mean, we but, are, right? But there there even in the trash, there there was a lot of good things that happened. Um I think I don't know, there was a lot of talk in the in the midst of the off season that um a man Debo was just a, you know, it was like maybe a one hit wonder. That dude is a baller. Yep. <laughs> he is a baller. He, you know, the fumble was unfortunate. It it appeared to me from my untrained eye that he was attempting to, to put it away. And my man just got his hand in there, you know, just a split second before he could really secure it. Um, but you know, that 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 was a big play, but man. That dude, especially on the touchdown, how hard he runs! You put the ball in that dude's hands, and um, he's electric. He is—he is, he is just—he's a wonder. And, and I mean, you know,
0: and and we heard right. There, there was the there was the off-season contract negotiation, and there was word that oh, Debo doesn't want to play in the backfield, and that all that was just positioning and leverage in negotiation to get the contract that he wanted because immediately he is the guy that they go to when
2: they're looking to break plays in the backfield. And well, so just go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, well, it just seems to me again, I'm a layman, but it just seems to me, I never heard him say he didn't want to do it, but it makes sense to me that he wants them to break bread. If, um, yeah. if they're going to use him that way, he wants to, he wants to be compensated yeah. additionally. And yeah,
1: that's, that's
2: what the contract, you know, lays out. Almost seven yards of carry for Debo, like you said,
0: with the touchdown. Not much from the receiving uh, spectrum. Two catches for 14 yards. He dropped one late that would have just stat padded when, when the game was es- essentially over. But that brings up my second point, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The first half of this game, Kyle Shanahan looked like an offensive genius with how creative that running game was. Yeah. And in the second half... Knowing that Elijah Mitchell got hurt, they went so conservative with the running plays. It was Jeff Wilson up the middle twice uh for four yards and then you know third and and, and uh, five or whatever. but I, I just didn't understand why because they were ripping off, like I said Debo's averaging seven almost seven yards of carry. They're ripping off large chunks. Is it a Mitchell thing? Is it a Kyle does this a lot when we have leads thing? Like, what did you take from the idea that they just were not as creative in the second half with the running game?
2: Um. Well, and again, I I don't want to come off as a Kyle apologist, um, but you know I'm sure the weather played a factor uh, because it really it really got it was kind of a joke there by the end of it, but the weather's the same for both teams. So that was, that was was the home field
0: advantage for the bears. Right. Right. At the perfect time, they take the lead and then it's the torrential downpour. And they were, it was great timing for them to take the lead when they
2: did. Yeah. So, I mean that, you know, I am, I'm past, you know, attempting to defend Kyle as a play caller and a, um, Offensive creator. I think, I think that argument is settled, but if you want to, you know, but I do say if people want to question how he kind of manages the game, I mean, I think that is open for it's an open discussion. It does seem that, you know, when we, when there's a bit of adversity, he can tend to get a bit conservative. Yeah. that, 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 that clearly
0: was the case today. So, so uh, our friend Shelvin thought losing uh, Mitchell w- was big, and he's not sure uh, Jeff uh, Wilson Jr. isn't if an everyday da- every down back. I don't, I don't think um, he is necessarily either. But at the same time, the the reason why the Mitchell stuff worked is because there was lots of motioning and Debo's set up uh, wide, and then he's in the backfield, and the, you know when Kittle's back, they'll do similar things with him. So
2: there's they're creating confusion. They didn't even do that in the second yeah, in, half. In the first half, they were. It it seemed to me again. I'm no, I'm no um, scheme guru, but it seemed like. But you pay couple, you
0: pay attention more than most. So on
2: a couple of those plays, it looked like um, Ayuk was playing that Kittle role in terms of the motions and whatnot, and he was in a lot of that run action, which you know is it was awesome to see. It was like you say, it was night and day. Um, you know, from the first half to the second half. And I don't want to go, I I, I don't want to go off script too much. No, but it, is, it,
0: you, you, do you, you bring up whatever you want to bring up.
2: We're 18 and a half minutes. And I think it is, we are remiss to not have mentioned Hafunga yes. up to this point in this podcast. He was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome today. Um, in both phases, you know, I I was talking. I think it was Shelvin that posted something in the group, and I had said that um, you know watching him run the alley is 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 a thing of beauty. So we we know he can do that, but he played a really good all around game today, really did. I think this is his style of football game, right?
0: Where he is, he you know, if there is a question. About him, it is it is his speed and and maybe covering, uh, f- the field against some of these big time uh, quarterbacks. A- and Fields did not ha- he really didn't have an opportunity to do that for one. So, right. Hufanga was able to kind of prey on the run and he his timing and his uh, being able to steer Fields away from where he wanted to go and bring him back. All of that stuff was awesome. And he had two he had nine tackles, two assisted. He had the one interception. No other 49er had more than four tackles. So that shows you how much around the ball that he actually was today. Now we'll, we'll see. I think, I think there will be some moments during the season where people are going to go, Oh, you know, he's exactly who we thought he can't, he's going to get beaten coverage and he's going to get beat. And that some of that stuff is going to happen, but he
2: also has a nose for the football and he showed that today. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that will be the case too, that, um, you know, if you can, you know, get him isolated on somebody in the slot, I, I think that that's a matchup that um, as a, a offensive play caller, you, you're feeling pretty good about in and play out, depending on, you know, who your slot receiver is. So we'll still have that to um, to, you know, figure out. But it was it was just it was a great perform, great start of the season for him. Which For someone whom, you know, was definitely one of our question marks coming into the season. Sure,
0: sure. Young player. I think he made his he made his big moment. You know, he got on at least 49ers fans radar in the in the Green Bay game last season. Uh, And I think that was a special teams play. So, yeah. Uh, But yeah, you know, he you you notice him when he's on the field, which is which is tremendous. So uh, Justin Candelaria, who is also in our group, he said the NFC West is on two so far. This year, very big possibility, zero four by the end of week one, which is a little rough considering uh, the Rams were, were the Super Bowl champions and Niners were in the NFC title game.
2: Yeah, that's that. that it's possible though, because I, <laughs> I don't think Seattle's very good, and then I'm yeah. not even sure who the Arizona is play. playing.
0: Uh, Kansas City.
2: Oh yeah, that. So, I mean, you can play well and lose that game. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. So the zero four start. Wouldn't I sitting here right now? If you were to give me a, a prop bet on it, I would probably take the 0 and 04.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's no I IN team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
0: NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan. Even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So, so, and, and you know, not not that we're going to sit here and try to make, uh, you know, what we saw as a very poor ending to that game sound any better. But I don't know if you saw uh, Kyle Shanahan's quote after the Rams lost on Thursday night, you know, he was, he was kind of, you know, taking a little shot there mm-hmm. being like, yeah, I enjoyed what I saw now. Yeah. Now Rams fans are going to say, see, this yeah. is what you get. You're making fun of our loss. And then you guys go into Chicago and lay an egg, but they the competitiveness between these two teams uh, is going to exist all year long. Uh, the Rams and the 49ers are two of the more talented teams in the NFC for sure. And look, you know, this, this 18 week season mm-hmm. or 18 uh, and 17 games, a lot of football left. We know what it was like last year in, in the middle of the season where it was like, ah, Niners are going to be 500 mm-hmm. again. And then they go on a run and, you know, and then they get in the NFC title game. So they not, you know, you can't really make. You can't tell the narrative of the whole season after week one. There's a lot of football left to be played either. Okay. All right. So my next, my next note here for you. I thought for three quarters, Trey Lance played about what they would have wanted him, how they would have wanted him to play. He did not look shook. He looked like he was in control he was, you know, running this, this creative running game. And there were moments where, you know, he could have said, Oh no, I'm taking this one in, in some of those. And, 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 but he, he played within the system in that fourth quarter, when you're all of a sudden down by nine uh, your defense uh, has, has sort of let you down though. Again, like we, we said that, you know, also hats off to the bears for, for being able to realize you know, okay. Now, now we have some field position here. Let, let's let's show what we have, and and using Justin Fields in a way that Kyle didn't really use Trey today. You know, with a little bit of play action and rolling out and allowing him to use his legs, and then you know take advantage taking advantage of, of the Niners' aggressiveness of some of those penalties. I if we are going to ask Trey Lance to uh, come from behind in every fourth quarter down by seven or more it's not going to be that great, I don't think. I don't think he is ready to to be that guy, but with a bounce attack with the defense playing well, with him having to to make some key third down throws, I thought he played pretty well. But again, you put him in that in that spot in the fourth quarter playing in the weather like he did. I didn't i I, I didn't want to see him fail of course, but I didn't really have faith that that was going to be a moment for him to shine. I thought he was shining when the team was shining throughout those first two and a half quarters or whatever.
2: I think it goes back. Part of it goes in again. I, I want to continue to preface this. That I, I am an acknowledged Trey stand, So I'm pretty much always going to see a glass half full. Um, so But so I I, I, so I want to temper that. But I do agree. Going back to your first point, I think that a creative run game helps him, and it it makes him much more effective. If you are, you know, within he, I, I think he. As we go forward, we will see that he shines brightest when in the midst of the other creativity of things happening and, you know, creating situations where he can kind of get lost in in the whole thing and just make plays. and You know Kyle is going to scheme him up four or five just completely open looks every game. And if he can, you know, especially when they're deep looks, even if he's only hitting on half of those and we can get, you know huge chunk plays um i i I've, I've said it before you know i'll take you know 60 63% completion rate if we are attempting you know if 25 you know percent of those attempts are 20 plus i i just i like that math um so and you know he had six today six 20 plus attempts, which, I mean, is, you know, I think if well, I'm, I don't have a calculator, but out of 28, I think that's that's right around. That's close to 25 percent. Yeah, it's a little under 25 percent. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of I think if, if you can be there, that that puts you right up amongst the league leaders um, for the past several years. So that was a positive. Um, and, uh, another positive, as you mentioned, I really like the way he, you know, he did a, a good job of when things did get muddy around his feet. He wasn't looking to just, you know, duck his head and run. He, he tried to stay alive as a passer for as, as long as he could. Um, so, and, and that is what, that's a good thing to see from a young quarterback, um, is not, you know paying attention to the rush and continuing to to you know look you know find your reads downfield where they exist. So And
0: uh, you know and I'm not here to be a Trey apologist in any way, but there were moments where the Niners shot themselves in the foot a little bit the the one you already mentioned where Niners are driving and cruising and then Debo fumbles with the, with about 10 minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah. They put that in the end zone that it, it sort of sets a different, a different tempo game. for this game. game. Uh, there was a moment when uh, they had another good drive and then McGlinchey got beat for a sack to stall out uh, just over five minutes left in, in the first quarter and, 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 you know, he was also taking big hits, right? Like there were when he had to actually run the football, he was not looking to get down. He was looking to extend the drives. And there there's a bit of a thing where, where as a fan, you're like, yes, he's trying to get it. But then at the other thing, you're like, oh, my gosh, dude, like we cannot have you get hurt. This is a long season. Do you think I mentioned this in, in our group chat during the game? The way their ability to pass block for the for for Trey, I think is going to be, uh, you know, maybe if you can prioritize what are the most important things like I, I thought it was like, I don't know, I wouldn't say they were disappointing, but they also didn't give me confidence that this line is going to hold up and that they're not going to make any changes like there was a there was a moment late where uh Banks just looked like he was gassed like yeah. he couldn't even really do anything. And so with with this offensive line and how valuable Trey is to this future, it's just a, 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 I don't know if it's if it's poor gming, if it's what whatever it is, the the ability to not pass block for this guy could be like the proving
2: point of the entire season. It's 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 so interesting because clearly when they're and you know Again, I'm not a huge talent evaluator either, but it appears to me that they prioritize run blocking with these dudes because, you know, aside from um, Trent, who does everything, all of them profile as, you know, above average run blockers. All of them. Banks does. um, Brindle's kind of different, but center – what you expect from your center is kind of different. Center's supposed to be a smart guy who can right. get everybody in in, in in space and just not get beat up Or if you can just not get, get blown back yeah. into the center's lap. I mean into the quarterback's lap, you're there. Burford um kind of regressed as I thought during camp, but he profiles as a very good run blocker. Well, Glenchie's a good run blocker, but all of those dudes have questions. It'll be interesting to see um when the advanced stats come out tomorrow, the pressures and um the, the pressure numbers. Cause I had I I even had Quinn got um Trent once this day. I had yeah. Trent giving up one, I had um Banks giving up one, and then the one with McGlinchy, for sure I counted those. Um but yeah, so it wasn't like he was under siege like he like he was sometimes in camp, it, you know, there were days where tra- it, were tra- it was just like crazy. It was like almost, I don't know if you, <laughs> I've coached Pop Warner and there's times when the defense is so good that it's like, you can't even, you can't even run, you know, it's like, what are we, you guys, you,
1: <laughs> coach has to
2: tell them, Hey, look, you guys got to give us a look. We can't, you know, yeah. we just can't even run anything. And it was, there were days like that. It wasn't that, but um, I think, I've said all along that that's what I think this season is going to come down to is our ability to keep him clean, especially with that quick pressure up the middle. Because, you know, people say Kyle can scheme around poor pass protection, which, okay, I, 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 in theory, I understand that, but I, I, I've never seen an offensive scheme that um deals with quick pressure up the middle. If that's happening, it's hard to, to run any good offense, both passing and running the ball. You just you can't have a guy's just, you know, blowing by you playing, you know, two and three yards into your backfield.
0: And I think. The main one of the main differences between Trey and and Jimmy that leans in favor of Trey is his ability to create time so that he can throw the ball downfield. Because Jimmy is a one or two hit, you know, wonder. It's like this guy, this guy, boom, balls out. Because he can create that opportunity with his Uh feet if the if the pass protection broke down. However, if the pass protection is even worse this year, Trey's going to be doing a lot of creating time with his feet and not being able to then set his feet and throw. Like there's going to be a lot of situations where people are going to think, man, man, what? you know this guy's open and why doesn't he hit him? It's like, well, because the guy's running for his life. Right. And and so there's going to be scenarios like that too. So I hope they can figure out how to shore that up. Because I think that is the most important thing for for Trey's development is to be able to sit and throw. Because there was a couple times where I was like, "Man, if he was just able to set his feet, that throws right in there." But he's kind of, you know, off to the side or he's running and the throws short, and you know, wet ball. All of those things are the reason. But also, like he's a really young quarterback. He hasn't thrown the reps that that uh, he will eventually have thrown you know 2 and 3 and 4 years into his career
2: well and again i he is a young quarterback and i am not by any stretch of the imagination um we're doing a lot of prefacing in this um segment in this in this podcast but tom brady he even he the greatest when there's not if he's got pressure up the middle he's a different quarterback it's just it's 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 hard to establish a rhythm if you're getting pressure in your face. Now, what Trey will give you the trade-off is if he can create time, kind of like with, um, fields today, if he can create time, what that does give you is opportunities for big plays. Yes. But, but the trade-off is not having that time also does not really give you an opportunity to, to get any kind of real rhythm in the passing game. So you'd prefer to be able to, like you say, have him be able to set his feet and, you know, make those, make the throws that are there rather than having to run for his life and try to, you know, kind of create something like far flight kind of situation. Right, It's, you know,
0: If you were to look at the stats from both quarterbacks, uh, Trey 13 for 2,864 yards, one pick. And Justin Fields, 8 of 17, 121 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Trey was 13 for 54 on the ground. Justin Fields was 11 for 28. All of those numbers, uh, you know, it just shows how hard the field was for these guys, how much of a defensive game, that it was. And, uh, you know, the, the guy who, who, whose team played better in the second half won. I don't, I don't think we can really make any, any decisions on, on, you know, who's the better guy, but that, that story is also going to be out there, right? Justin Fields was upset that the Niners didn't draft him when they had the opportunity. And, you know, if the Niners didn't get Trey, I, I just assumed that, you know, they weren't going to be able to move up to get him. I was fields over, Mac
2: Jones. Oh, honestly, if if you ask me, I was Fields, I, I knew it was never gonna happen, but I thought Justin Fields was the best quarterback in the draft. Um, all the way through, and again, I I know because people on Twitter and on Facebook have told me, <laughs> I put much more um emphasis on pedigree mm-hmm. than most do. And throughout the prep process and the co- collegiate process, in my opinion, Justin Fields was the better player. He was a better player. He, he was the better player at Elite 11, head-to-head in college. He was a better player. Um, I just think I have a I, – I say that to say no disrespect to anybody in that draft class. I hold Justin Fields in a very high regard. I I am – satin that he's in Chicago where in 75 years they've never developed yeah any league quarterback so um I I, I wish him the best I would have th- he would have thrived here I believe yeah. yeah well but honestly I'm one who believes that all those dudes in the draft class this would have been the best place for them to have been exactly. I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan <laughs> yeah. but I think I think i think kyle could have made him a player yeah, yeah i yeah. think i i would have not been ha- happy with um matt being here but i think that he is deluxe jimmy
0: mm-hmm. um
2: so i you know I, he's a better i believe he's a better he he will go down as a better player than jimmy garoppolo um no disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo he's a <laughs> above average quarterback um and he won a lot of games but yeah. i think that i think Matt's ceiling i don't think his ceiling is as high as any of those other guys but i think he has a higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo so i again Trey is in the best position and you know now it's time for him to you know show and prove but i'm of a belief it's just factually this whatever happens this season, that's not gonna be the story of trey lance i mean we we are in a two or three year window here of his growth and development, and my hope is that, as with any good football team I've ever been um associated with that we we're playing better football in December. January and February than we are now. I'm not, you know, I'm not making excuses or saying it's cool to lose games in September and October because you lose too many of them. And then what happens in January and February don't matter because you're out of it. But I would prefer to have a team that's peaking kind of like last year's team. You know, you get to a point, you know, you're three and five and the, the season is in the balance. And then you start playing your best football subsequently. I'm not saying I want us to start three and five, but I w- I'm more concerned about a-, a arc of progression than I am necessarily about, you know, I I don't want to say wins and losses because that's what it's about, but I would like to see a progression. I like to see Trey and the whole team. I like to see us getting better. And so the next, the goal is to be better next week than we were this week, and you know if we can do that, that you know there, there's clearly a lot that we need to clean up <laughs> on both sides of the ball. So I'm hoping to see, and you know I, I think we'll look back and this will be one that we um, kind of like the Tennessee game last year. We'll be like, man, we should have got, to, we should have had that one. We would have, you know, we were a better team. We should have had that, that. That that might be the most frustrating game of last season. I think. Yeah. You know why I remember that game
0: well? It was in December, right? Mm-hmm. It was uh, my sons and I. It was our trip to Chase to see the Warriors play Memphis, mm-hmm. and that was a great basketball game. Steph and and Ja going head to head, but we were trying to watch it on the phone. At the same time, and just to see them fall apart like they did after being ahead, and you're just like, ah, oh, they're 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 doing well. They're good. and then they, you know, and then they sort of give it away in the second half. I agree with, with a very disappointing game. Uh, okay, a couple of quick hitters before we get out of here, and, and thanks to everybody who's who's hanging out here with us, whether it's on the video feed or or in podcast form. So, the defensive line, the, this vaunted defensive line. Looked like world beaters in the first half, and then in the second half, almost nowhere to be found. Like there was a couple of times where I was like, "Is Bosa hurt? Like where is he? Like I can't, I'm not seeing him on the screen." Is that? Do you think that is more about Chicago figuring out how to keep uh, Fields uh, off the ground? Or does that have something to do with what the Niners were doing? Because I even, I was starting to go, maybe, you know, maybe they're just on the field way too much in the second half. The Niners still held the time of possession 33 to 26 or 27. So it's not like, you know, they were clearly just super tired maybe in the second half a little bit more, but um, you know, Bosa didn't play a lot, you know, this new preseason where your guys aren't playing and he's not practicing every day. And I just kind of wondered it may be one of those things, like you said, where you're playing better uh, later in the season, but it seemed like he was going to have three or four sacks by the end of the game when you watched yeah. that first half, and then I didn't see him at all, mostly in the second half.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, just like he does most of the time, you know, when he's not going up against somebody named Trent Williams, you, do, you can't block him. I mean, yeah. he is just, you know, and I continue to say when they show any play that you get because it's hard to see on the broadcast feed but anytime they they show that camera angle from in the trenches i swear he's being held every yeah, time Yeah. so that, that that's interesting i'm next week i'll be better prepared i i, I don't have the
0: you got the film the, man you're gonna you got did you get the app
2: have, the nfl app oh yeah for sure for sure. So I've been looking, but I don't have the stats in front of me. So I'd be interested to see what how the snaps broke down. Yeah. Um first half to second half. Um, but yeah, that that was that was definitely it was interesting. And I think also it has something to do with the fact that um as we had mentioned earlier, Fields was not just sit he wasn't a sitting target no, in the second they were moving half. him they were really moving him around and and that dude is an athlete he oh, yeah. is he was really you know he was really able to um he affected the game with his um with his mobility today. yeah and and his stats
0: look terrible for for what we normally see as as uh passing numbers, but he, he's he's the reason they won. So,
2: you know, at, at a certain, at a certain, I think I, I, I've said it before because, you know, you get, you get online and people will tell you about the mobile quarterback and he's won the blah, 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 last 20 or the 25, whatever, whatever the stat is, but. You this is this is something that you'll appreciate because it is the analogy that I say and I believe that those people who talk about the game like that are are just like Chuck in 2015 talking about <laughs> you can't jump shooters man you 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 know you you cannot win a championship without a dominant post presence and shooting 25 plus threes a game you can't do it because it's never been done well what you look and you see what how that's worked out. I believe the same thing is, I I don't necessarily like it. Talk about a mobile quarterback, but an athletic quarterback. It's just when you, if you watch the game and how it's being played and coached at all levels. Now the quarterback can give himself up anywhere on the field, which is obviously relatively new. You see it being coached from the youth to college to high school and college. Um, they are being taught how to give themselves up. Defensive players are being taught that if this dude, if he he looks like he's going to slide, you can't hit him because at those lower levels, it's a 15-yard penalty all the way up to an ejection. Yeah, you you just, you, you they are being, it's being played and coached differently. And then you take the next step for the NFL and you look at the pipeline. The next Manning looks more like Archie than he does Peyton or, sure. Eli. or Eli. And who who is the c shoe pocket passer coming through the pipeline? I don't see one. So all these dudes are athletic. Now, what you could have happen is somebody zig when everybody else zags and they sure. decide they're going to be. The outlier. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna find the market efficiency the other way. We're sure. gonna find Philip Rivers or um Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. That's we we're, we're just gonna do it that way. We're not gonna try to compete with all these guys that are running RPO and what so and that might work, but it's clearly that I think when we look five, ten years from now, we're not gonna be talking about that guy, you know, the, the, this guy It's going to be athleticism is going to be a prerequisite to play the position, even if you obviously you still have to be able to play from the pocket. Um, like Kyle says, you know, that's a good extra to have. So you still need to be able to do the things that operate from the pocket. Yeah. But I believe that it rather than it being just a good extra to have, I think it's something that's going to be mandatory. You're going to have to be an athlete to play the quarterback position. So are it, you, you know,
0: are you saying, are you saying if Jim Druckenmiller had a child, that child would probably play a little bit more like Steve Young than his, than Jim Druckenmiller.
2: Jim, Jim, he, his child is going to be a, a tackle. <laughs> 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 With their, their, all the muscles and a big, he, he's going to, he, he'll be a tackle or a yeah. tight end. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not playing court. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So uh, a couple other things here. Um, were you worried a little bit to see Kittle already on the injured list after the the dings and the and the things that he's had to deal with over the last couple of years?
2: It's concerning, but I think I made a post yesterday about this. Is it, you know, George Kittle, if he doesn't play with the abandon and mayhem that he plays with he he doesn't make it in the NFL. Yeah. So this is this is who he is. This is yeah. what we signed up for. So and he even said it 2 weeks ago that he has no desire to change the way he plays. And and he even said it if it means that he, his career is shortened due to it, he's good with that. So this is who he is. And honestly, I'd rather have 14 games, 13 or 14 games of George Kittle than just about anybody else. Um cuz he is just in the passing, you know, in the dude that can stretch out and play the X and then also play the tight end role an in-line blocker is, um, that's rare.
0: All right, go ahead and pick up your mic there. Um, yeah, uh, 100%. And by the way, Shelvin, <laughs> Shelvin uh, was a fan of, of the Miller joke. Yeah, that, w- that was for the folks who've been with us for, you know, who've been 49er fans for years and have seen... Drucken Miller's and and Tim Rattays and Gino Toretta and Gio Carmazzi and guys like that. It hasn't always been. It Gio hasn't always <laughs> It hasn't always been uh, quarterback you with the 49ers. That was Bill Walsh, battle? y'all. Yeah, yes, it was. Bill Walsh. <laughs> it was Bill Walsh. Okay, so uh interested uh, it will last two notes here. Who's your player of the game for the 49ers? Oh, Hofonga. I think I think that's an easy one. Like I, I wanted, I was hopeful that when I thought about okay, let's do player of the games, that you know there would be more than than one to choose from, so that we can just you know we can talk about more than one guy. Uh, if Debo doesn't fumble, I think he's I think he's there. The other one that I wanted to just bring up, I, he's he's not player of the game, but for someone who who doesn't have great speed, Juwan Jennings does get open for them yeah. especially on third down so i really like to see that and uh i he may have uh you know he may be a little bit of a safety valve for for Trey as well cuz he's bigger than everybody out there and you just you know you you throw it to him and and he's just so so tall does he remind you of jj stokes a little bit
2: a little bit. He he's a tough dude though. And you know, he what he brings to the run game, he's a he's a good blocker. And he just always seems to be open. So yeah, I mean, and he's big and physical. I, that is how I like my receivers and my slot guys. You know, I know that, you know, Danny Gray and Ray Ray were all the rage um this offseason for the slot. And I know guys kind of like those Ferraris and who can get out there. And and run fat and and I'm not opposed to that, but um I, I I that's one thing that I came to feel that way with um Harbaugh as a coach because that mm-hmm. was how he liked him he liked big receivers right who could block and so that is you know that really in those teams really informed my preference for um for um. Receivers, not only receivers, but just a style of play because I grew up watching, you know, a West Coast style of offense where we were just kind of throwing it all over the place. And the short passing game was kind of the um, was kind of the de-, de facto run game. But I, I there's something about being able to just line up and run it, run it 30, 30 times a game that, that is really appealing to me. Um, you had mentioned player of the game. So. My top three were Hufunga, Bosa, and Debo. So, and clearly to me, this one, it was pretty easy. Yeah. But um, if, you know, if Bosa had played the second half, like he played the first half, he might have, you know, been a serious candidate, but he, like you had mentioned, um, I don't want to say he disappeared, but he just, he nearly he wasn't nearly the factor in the second half that he was in the first. All right, last thing before we get out of here.
0: Um uh, again, thanks to people for checking us out on this first uh, this first effort of of what we're trying to do here. So next week at home against Seattle, when the I, I, tell me if I'm wrong or not here. When it comes to how aggressive the 49ers defense is, I feel like when there's a creative Savvy QB and a good play action game, the 49ers could be wildly on the opposite side of the field because they're so aggressive and they're so athletic, like we saw in the second half. But when there's a, a sort of a sitting duck QB, um now that, that QB could could be great and just be hitting, you know, everywhere where the Niners aren't and 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 and, and uh beat them that way. But I look at Seattle and who's playing quarterback now versus who used to destroy us previously. Russell Wilson, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy play better against the 49ers in my
2: lifetime than Russell if Wilson. I, if I had $100 for every time, especially, every, you know, if you were here, you know, those defenses we had, you know, during that hardball, those Fangio defenses yeah, they were terrors. Yeah. If I had a hundred dollars for every time we defensed it perfectly, and then Russ, woo, 15 yards, it's those are just backbreakers. You know, not just for the first down, but just they're just demoralizing. You've yeah. done everything that you set out to do. And then this dude just makes a play and beats you. And that Russ, he was he was good for that. He was Gino Smith, hmm, not so much. Okay, Drew Locke. Hmm. Drew Locke, thing about Drew Locke is I I I saw Drew Locke um at LSU when he was at Missouri. This dude, um, this dude, he is everything you want. When you get off the bus, when you watch him in practice, he is great until the game starts. And then it's it's something completely different. So Maybe he got up there and, and it was the same thing in Denver. He just, I don't know. It's something, it's like he like airlocks. So he has every, he has all the tools. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't seem to be able to make, you know, make plays when you need him to make plays. And, you know, he's in a new situation and maybe it changes, but I'm, I'm not confident that in, in I'm sure I'm, I'm positive if Jimmy Garoppolo wanted to be the quarterback in Seattle, he would be because those dudes they just aren't it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just and aren't and, it. and so I make that point to say I think the defense is going to bounce back next week because there's not going to be as much of a worry for the quarterback being able to extend plays and they can kind of pin their ears back a little bit and just go um, and you know we'll see. Uh, I, I know uh, Ward he had he had. Kind of a, a really cheap uh, pa- uh, uh, pass interference call mm-hmm. or holding call today, uh, but you you, know, you they didn't they weren't able to attack him in any way. Mm-hmm. So we have we didn't see that tested. I imagine next week and the week after because then they're, then they're playing the Broncos. That guy Russ Wilson that we just talked about he's going to be in our nightmares again. But I, I'm very interested to see how the how the secondary looks next week because uh, they weren't really tested this this week. You know, mm-hmm. Fields was able to do a couple things, but he what did he have like two or three completions to to wide receivers or something like that. Yeah. So um, ultimately, I don't I, I think we'll see more next week and the week after. But from a pass rushing standpoint, I imagine they're they're sort of salivating at the idea that they're not going to have to chase a, another guy around as much. But then they're going to have to do it again in week three.
3: Yeah,
2: well, and I think that I think we're going to see that there is a theme that you know the way our team is built, their symbi is the offensive defense are symbiotic. If we're able to run the ball and control the clock, and then those guys can come out there. If we can limit the number of snaps that our defense has to play, and they can just ball, they can just go balls out on the snaps that they play. It's a different defense, you know. We as we saw in the last game before this one that we saw, you know, they played 76 snaps against the Rams. We, that our defense really isn't set up to be out on the field that many snaps. We're not, we're not set up to be getting out snap by 25, 30 snaps. That's just not how we're built. So if we can do a better job of continuing to run the ball and control controlling clock and, then you know, putting points on the board, um, we set our we we we, you know, they as they, they call it complimentary complementary football. We're setting our defense up to be successful by keeping our the more we keep our offense on the field, the fewer plays they have to play and they can play um they can play more efficiently and, and, and more aggressively. So I I I'm looking forward to um getting home and beating up on the Seahawks. Hacks. <laughs>
0: I, I, I would like to think that if somebody gave Kyle Shanahan uh, some truth serum or as a, what does Jalen Rose call it? Sodium pentothal or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever this is a Jalen Rose thing. I think Kyle would admit that he, he had an opportunity to create some spots uh, with the run game that he did not take advantage of. Cause I think if they even come out in that, first drive and they show the creativity that they showed in that first half that that probably (coughs) that probably changes uh changes a lot of things now who knows maybe maybe Debo was overused maybe you know maybe there was a situation with the tight ends where they weren't comfortable whatever it was hopefully we get some answers but that that's the thing where I'm like ah they they kind of had it because they were playing exactly the way that you said they had the ball the defense weren't on, weren't on the field. Like even those stats, you can, you can look at those stats in the box score today and you go, Oh, this is the way the Niners usually win. So how did they lose? And so that that's kind of going to be the big question. It should be the big question for, you know, media folks and, and fans going into next week.
2: I can sometimes uh, one last thing. I yeah. can sometimes delve into the conspiracy theory land. I wonder as we move forward, if we, if we, discover that Debo really is kind of on some kind of pitch count. That would be, that would be yeah. interesting. I don't know if they'll ever say that, but it'd be interesting to see as we watch his usage as the season goes along, if his carries stay right, you know, in a sort of a channel that yeah. that it will just be interesting to, to, to watch as we go along around, around that seven, eight number. Right. And, and, you know, and, and, then and okay. We, and,
0: and and i'm not here to uh to be a shanahan apologist either but if that is the case what you just said the second half game plan may have just been to hammer mitchell right but mm-hmm. and then he got hurt mm-hmm. and then jwj uh wasn't finding those and goals. then like
2: I, I think i i think it was shelvin mm-hmm. who said it whoever did in the in the chat earlier you know i just don't think jeff wilson's that dude i mean yeah. i don't i don't think that he's um, I don't think he's gonna be your workhorse. He's a change of pace guy. Yeah, yeah. So then now we're talking about, you know, I'm not gonna re-adjudicate, you know, our roster cuts or whatnot. But then the question becomes, is um JDP or JP, are they are those guys able to be that guy who yeah. can carry the load absence? Because I again I I, I am really Loathe to put um, tag labels on people, but we're starting to get to a point where, you know, Elijah Mitchell, kind of, you know, for as explosive as he is, he misses he misses snaps. Yeah. So we, you know, we you need to have somebody on the roster game day who can, you know, carry the load. And if it ain't gonna be Debo, then it needs. It needs to be somebody. And they let Trey Sermon
0: go, so he's not an option. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for folks wondering, Shanahan did make this note in his uh, press conference: uh, Malik Turner being active and Danny Gray not being active had everything to do with special teams. Same with Jordan Mason over Davis Price. So those were the those are the reasons why those guys were active and the other guys weren't. Uh, okay, so. Thanks to everyone for, for hanging out with us here. I really appreciated this. And obviously, thanks to Rod. We've kind of been talking about doing stuff like this over the years. And now the technology has sort of caught up to, to what we wanted to do. So hopefully you enjoyed yourself because I think you have really great viewpoints and opinions on football. And, and you you know, you're prefacing a lot by saying you're not, you know, this and that. But you're a very smart football fan and, and I like seeing your takes and I like seeing the things that you say, cause it's not always what the majority of the fan base will, will also say. So I like that about well, what I you
2: say. I just, thank you. And I just, I feel blessed to live in a time where as fans, we have access to so much information. There are very, 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 very smart people turning their intellect on football with advanced stats and things that, you know, I get it all the time. You're not a coach. You're not a team. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to be the best fan I can be. And we live in a time where we can be more educated about yes. the game than GMs were 25 years ago, I believe. Sure. I just, I just think we, the access to information and, like you say, the technology allows – you, as much as you want as much time as you want to spend on in a week studying this stuff it's there to be and there's so many smart people people I really respect their opinions that you can listen to and learn from um so that's all I do it, and I am always open to learning and if oh, yeah. whoever can teach me more I, I I don't think that you know i i I often say that the fan that only watches the game on the broadcast feed once and looks at the box score and comes up. Oh, uh uh-oh, what'd I do? No, you're good. Oh, I'm still there. Um, Who comes up with his opinion and me who might spend 8, 10 hours a week studying. If you put our opinions on the scale and weigh them, they are the same. Mm -hmm. But I know mine is, you know, it's not just me opining I, right. you know it's a studied opinion i'm right. not saying that makes it right more right than yours but i take pride in reasoning out and as long as my reasoning is sound which most of the time it is even if i end up being wrong like i caught a whole bunch of shit excuse me um bunch of that.
0: you can throw in an s-bomb every once in a for, while or
2: um you know like it was like a ridiculous take that Jimmy Garoppolo would not take six million dollars and be a quarterback too, um, because it, as a starter of a uh, NFC championship team at the thirty years old, no quarterback in that position had ever done anything like that. Yeah. So I ended up being wrong, but I think my reasoning was sound because it, you know, it was completely unprecedented to happen. So that's just an example of me being, I completely admit I was wrong, but I thought, I think my reasoning was sound and that's, that's the position I try to put myself in is just to make sure to do the best job I can to reason out my take and right or wrong. I can live with that, but I appreciate you providing this platform to me and because this is it's so much fun. It's kind of like, you know, like I say, I spend, you know, And so those that don't know, I'm a dialysis patient. So I spend 12 hours a week sitting in a dialysis chair. So I use that time to watch film and study um, stats and and stuff like that. And that's where my takes come. And most of the time I spend on on Facebook arguing with (laughs) y'all is when I'm sitting in dialysis uh, as a captive audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So I appreciate you giving me you to use your platform to be able to kind of share these things and, you know, kind of chop it up with somebody and share this. And I appreciate those who took the time to listen. And as you mentioned to me, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. If any of you guys got this set up and, you know, want to, you know, come in and join us, please do. Cause I, I, I just, I love talking to 49er fans who are passionate, even if, even if we disagree I I often say and I get messed for it that we aren't we we aren't necessarily the smartest fan base in the world, but I tell you what, <laughs> we are loyal. I'll yeah. never, never question the loyalty of the 49er fans. We're a little I've, spoiled. Yeah. And I, you know, I've I've gone to I've been blessed enough to go to like 25 or 30 road 49er games oh, over the awesome. over the years. And we always show up. You know, yeah. it's been in the media. Like these last couple of years that we how we travel, man, we always travel like that. Every time I've I've been someplace, we always represent. And um it's it's just it's good to it's good to um fellowship with other 49er fans. Mm-hmm. And I that's why I I'm really pleased for this opportunity that we can come on after the games and commiserate or celebrate. And um, yeah. This is a tough one, but I, this is about this talking it out has kind of been kind of therapeutic. Yeah' that, that's, that's what I felt. I was like, you know what,
0: I don't feel that bad anymore because when you talk it out and you reason and you understand the context, you're like, okay, there are actual answers as to why things happen and hopefully they they can figure the, they can figure out how to fix those things. but I'll end I'll end this show by saying you've heard us talk about this Facebook group. If you are interested in joining the Facebook group, it is a pretty civil facebook group there's uh, no bad actors i don't allow trial uh, trolls in in my group so uh if you are interested in joining we'll, we'll, the links will be uh in the video in the youtube video as well as in the uh podcast feed so there will be a link to the group if you want to come join us i think we grabbed a couple today just from just from twitter um and yeah you know w- this is podcast uh, in, in the bay area sports podcasting network we do 49er shows. This is the first one of this show. We have another 49er show called the Red and Gold Standard. They have their own YouTube channel and their own video show, so I just grabbed their audio, uh, my, my buddy Zach Hernandez, and we're going to utilize their preview during the week in the feed, so they'll have the preview. that you'll hear, you'll hear the Red and Gold Standard with Zach and Matt doing the preview of the game, and then you'll hear Rod and myself after the game. Now, there may be some times where you know, Rod and I cannot exactly get to uh, the stream right after the game is over, but we'll sort of set some expectations. You know, there may be some some late late games where we're not able to go exactly after the game and we have to wait during the week or something. but we will keep you up to up to uh, up to speed about when we are recording. We also have a, a warrior show called The Death lineup, where I get to do a show with my son, which is also on this YouTube channel and the podcast feed is in uh, is is on uh, BSPN. and then, The kind of the podcast that sort of kicked this whole thing off for me is a show that I get to do with my college buddy, uh, Brad Evans, called Thompson to Clark. And it is a giant show. And we've been doing the video and the audio. And that was really where this feed came from, was from that show, Thompson to Clark. So if you go onto our Twitter, just follow us at uh, BSPN uh, shows on Twitter uh I will have links to all of those groups if people want to come join those groups and, and come hang out with all of us.
2: That the BSN the um that's it's the gold standard, right? Is that the, the name for the 49 the 49er podcast?
0: Red and gold standard. The yes. red and gold standard. Yes. You
2: guys need to get on that. That that is one of the best. Podcast out there you know as a 49er fan it gives me everything <laughs> I, I, I i sit there sometimes and i'm like yes 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 and then other times i'm <laughs> screaming at the, i'm screaming at my radio so yeah. it, it's a it's a full experience and those guys you can tell they're passionate about it so yeah, yeah,
0: zach uh also does some graphic he's he's early stages of sort of beginning to learn how to do graphic stuff and he's been doing some videos and so i'm going to ask him to do a video for us because we do have a theme song for this show. That's going to be on the, on the audio version of the show, but we'll, we'll get a video as well for, for, for this show, you know, to kind of kick it off. But uh, thank you, Rod. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am double G.
3: We will see you when we see you. Peace out. This is Colin Kelly from the Road of His Fantasy Football Podcast Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team. Podcast network and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as one hundred dollars. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which. In turn will help this show continue to grow if you would like to be part of the blue wire investment round or want to find out more information go to WeFunder.com forward slash what's
0: so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs 5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving